So there I was, sitting by the campfire. Let's stop right there, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm at the campfire right now. We are recording episode six for Beauty and the Beast Mode, and I am at the campfire wishing Ye Ye a happy belated birthday. Hi, what's up, everybody? This is Ye Ye Martinez, and that was... Tiny Jeff. Tiny Jeff. Beauty and the Beast Mode. I appreciate that, man. Happy belated birthday, brother. Thank you, man. That means a lot, man. That means a lot. And Jeff knows that I'm a fan of comedy and knows that I uh, am an aspiring comedian and bought me tickets to go see Bill Mother Stinking Burr. Yes, sir. That's awesome, man. You deserve it. Not only did Jeff buy me tickets to see Bill Burr, but another friend of mine bought me tickets to see Bill Burr, so I'll be scalping Bill Burr tickets outside <laughs> <laughs> of the Florida Times Union. Oh, he's going to be in a bigger The fight. Moran Theater. The Moran Theater, uh, May 8th. May 8th. Yeah. So, it's a Sunday. listening, I just gave you a couple plugs. So, um, you know. Nice. Free publicity. Free pubs for Bill Burr. Free pubs for my friends, too, man. I would I would um, give shout-outs to my friends any chance that I can. Nice. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, brother. Man, I appreciate it, man. We had a good time this weekend. Uh, we we uh, did some partying, for sure. It's always good. It's always good. We lived it up, man. Good. Yeah. Good. I ate a lot of sweets, a lot of, a lot of sweets, too. You could do that. You work out a lot. I still, still. My teeth will still fall out. Nice. <laughs> so what's up, Jeff, man? So much. So, so much. much. So much. Well, let's talk about it. We're going to start with this week in family. Yep. Tell us about your week in family, Jeff. So my week in family. Uh, I'm very happy that my kids, one of my kids, got A.B. on a roll on yeah. her report card. And the other one... Uh, the oldest, Kay, uh, drastically improved her grades. So the one that got A.B. on a roll was the same one that was putting syrup on her eggs? It's just disgusting. Good. It could go hand in hand. It's still Maybe disgusting. She put more syrup so she get better grades. It gave us superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, and the older one, I'm convinced, must have paid off her teacher somehow. Because drastically improved. So... All A, Bs, and a couple of Cs, so yeah. very happy. Hey, man, listen, I, I got by on the Cs in high school. Uh, yeah, I got by on a lot less than that, brother. I just say barely got by. Yeah. So, uh, so that's fun. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how she got her permit, so I've been letting her drive a little bit. Oh, and you got I, the big old Tahoe? Yep. Man, yep. She likes that though. She's really tall. She's like my height. So why did you give me those eyeballs when you said really tall? Cause she's really tall. <laughs> I feel like that's a short person joke. No offense. No offense. Uh, so yeah. So she she loves my truck, and I'm telling you that I've started buying stock in Depends because what? I am nearly pooping myself when she's driving. <laughs> So today she wanted to... Uh, Are you doing the air brakes over on your side? I'm doing the Hail Marys. I'm doing <laughs> everything. And uh, she wanted to drive on the highway on I-95 here in Florida yesterday. And I told her no way. So, But it's starting. 
she's doing so well. There's so much construction out there. I don't blame you. Yeah, no way. She's not ready. Because, like, she's driving down the road right now, and all of a sudden I'm like, stay in your lane. And next thing I know, like, we're halfway into the shoulder of the road. Stay in your lane, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Yeah. And she's like, I am in, in my lane. And I'm just like, dude, you're halfway on the shoulder of the road. There's no way. How how bad is your vision? Like, you can't notice that you're halfway in the shoulder of the road. She goes, I'm good. And, and mommy doesn't yell at me when I'm driving. So that's what I got. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Then let mommy take you driving. But and then uh, and then I have all this coming week off from work, so I'm very excited. Get out of town, man. Much needed break. Yeah. So just chill. You, are you gonna work on some podcast stuff? Uh, since you brought it up, I definitely, obviously will. We have big dreams here. There is. So I just. And probably in an episode or two, we'll announce, like, I just got our own email address. I just kind of created our own Facebook yeah, page and did some stuff. So, what have you done? For the podcast? Yeah. I researched a lot on how to enunciate and how to slow down and how not to cut my teammate off. Ooh. Because we got some feedback. Okay. We've been soliciting feedback yep. from some of our listeners. And some of the feedback was, and, and I can take it. Was that I cut Jeff off way too much. And so I went back to listen to a couple of the episodes. And within like the first three to four minutes of the conversation, I cut you off like hundreds <laughs> All I know is that we were texting back and forth. And we were like, yeah, you know, we got some feedback that, that you know, you were cutting me off this and that. And you were like, yeah, I'm going to take a listen. And about five minutes later, you were just like, my bad, dude. <laughs> There is no I feel bad or anything like that. We're starting out, right? We're not these big professionals doing this. Hell's no. My twelve year old My twelve year old was like, Why does he talk over you so much? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so what about your week, brother? Let's hear about your week. Well, I, you mentioned it earlier, man. It was my birthday on Friday. Yep. I mean, I'm th- so I'm 37 now, and I think this is the first year that I can remember in a long time that I actually, because people always say, do you feel older today? I think this is the first year that I actually feel a little bit older. I don't know if that's a mental thing, or if I just woke up and I was like, oh, my back, my knees, my neck, but I was going to say, yeah, something, something has clicked in my brain, and I actually feel older, and I hope by feeling older, I actually now start to become a responsible adult. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that, that, I think that was a big thing for me this week. Um, and, you know, I was excited that uh, a lot of people showed love and, and gave shout-outs, man. That's all, that always makes you feel good and, and gives you goosebumps and stuff when you read uh, some of those messages from people. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that was the week for me, man. And then comedy tonight, man. You know, we got we to gotta end on a high note. Where are you performing tonight? Uh, Rain Dogs um, down in the Five Points area. Okay. Side. That's a that's a go to spot for me. I love it. I love that room. Uh, the crowd is always great and, and really attentive and 
and uh, wants to hear jokes and wants to laugh. Nice. And I'm going to provide it for him. Oh, yeah, this week I got to jump on another show earlier this week as well that I didn't plan on being on. Uh, one of the comedy clubs here actually reopened. They had a show. I showed up and uh, the host showed me some love and said, you want to get on? I was like, what the hell do you think, baby? Never You're on that stage. Never pass up an opportunity. Never pass, never pass up an opportunity, grasshoppers. You never know. You never know. You never know. So how'd that go? Went well? It went well. I, uh, five minutes. Went by, went by fast. Uh, I heard there was a little uh, mix-up with some entrance music or something, right? Well, here's the thing. So sometimes, like, it depends on the show that you're at. Some, some shows have, like, the intro music when you come up. Some shows don't. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. But if everybody's getting intro music, then let me get some intro music. So the DJ did it to, you know, to, to his credit. He didn't know that I was going to jump up. And he was like, what song do you want? What song do you want? And I was like, you have this. And he's like, all right, let me look it up. And next thing you know, I was getting called up and just walked up to my name, which is great. Because then it's all about me. Right. <laughs> but no love on the music. No love on the music, but it's cool, man. So let me ask you something. With you being a comedian. So what are your first thoughts prior to going up on the stage? Like, what are you thinking about prior to hitting the stage? Well, don't fuck up. Right? <laughs> don't trip. Don't, you know, any of that initial stuff. Right. But, uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking about hitting, hitting on the punchline of the joke or the story. So I'm thinking that and staying in a good rhythm and getting the crowd on my side. So I feel like if I come out with uh, some kind of material that may be kind of off, off-putting. Off-putting? No, I didn't mean to say that off-putting. Off-putting the word with two T's. Off-putting. Right. Then uh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want people to be on my side right away. Okay. So, do you... Is Wait a second. What's going on here, Jeff? You just, you just listen up. So, are you... Are you... At, you did, you bastard. Uh, so, is there like a pre-stage... So, like, I know with myself, and I'm asking because I think it's pretty interesting. Myself, I used to be a musician, Right. And I know pro- when I first started, it was the first few years that prior to hitting the stage, I'd have the butterflies, I'd have the sweats going. And, but once that first note kicked in, it was like, boom, it's on. Let's go. So like with you prior to hitting the stage and like once you get up on stage, are there different thoughts going on? Is there different like mentality in your head or is it just pretty much leading up like you had said, get them on your side and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that... Thanks for that finger point. <laughs> and back to you. <laughs> now, I do... I, Because I, I pride myself on like being self-motivated and you know I don't really look to anybody else for trying to get me fired up before a show. So, I, you know, I get... I, I, I feel that I've done my best when I've kind of jazzed myself up and I'm throwing shadow... I'm shadow punching at the wall. Um, I actually... I think that I had one of my better shows um, when I was doing my feature spot uh, recently when I actually prayed 
And it was Coco. Uh, that was in Coco, yeah. I actually, uh, when I actually prayed about it, and was like, Lord, help me remember these jokes. Help this crowd be on my side. <laughs> and let me just go out here and do the best that I can possibly do for you. In Jesus' name, I did my best show. But, that being said, I, that's not a regular thing for me. Right. But once I grab that microphone, I feel like it's an extension of of my soul, essentially. Right? Like, I feel like I'm Iron Man, and that's that's just my weapon. And I have to go out there and, and do what I'm supposed right. to do with it. So I know that you prayed that time. You also had, like, two rum runners as well. <laughs> <laughs> could that have done anything? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. It could have been the rum runners. Uh, I think it was a martini, right? Yes. Yeah. Dirty martini. Dirty martini. So how much time do you spend writing material? That's a great question, brother. I, I don't spend a lot of time writing material, like verbatim. I think I spend a lot of time in thought, a lot of time trying to think about getting deeper into a certain idea to find out what's really funny about it. So trying to just peel back the layers and peel back the layers and get into a spot where that's so deep into how funny of a concept or an idea that is that nobody thought that I was going to get that deep into that spot for that particular subject. Okay. So I think I spend a lot of time in thought more so than I do writing, but I, I do need to start writing some more. But I take a lot of notes. I take a lot of notes. I'm a, I'm a millennial comic. I take a lot of notes on my phone. Oh, boy. Um, and so if you go through my phone, there's just notes and notes and notes and notes, just of ideas. Right. And then I spend a lot of time in thought about how I can take that idea and blow it out into a full story and take it somewhere nobody thought that I would be able to take it. Nice. How does it feel to you when you're up there and just a joke hits and kills? Like, I so, I, to be humble, right? Like, I don't think that I've ever legitimately killed, right? But I think when I hit a joke, and it's exactly where you want to hit it, it's like it takes you to a whole, an entirely different stratosphere. You're like, I did that. That was solely my idea, my concept. And it's better when, like, to me, that that you get to that point when it is all yours, and you wrote the joke, and all the tags are yours, and and the story's exclusively yours, and then um, when that hits, it's like it feels like you're supposed to be there. Cause sometimes, let me tell you, you shit on yourself on stage, and it feels like you're not supposed to be there at all. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean that's that's the journey, that's the plight of a comic, right? Right. A comedian, rather, is that, you know, you're going to shit on yourself a lot, um, but that's how you get better. And I think that's with anything that uh, anybody does in life. Like, it's going to happen. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to fall on your face several times. You're going to take a lot of bruises. But if you decide to stop right there, you're just going to continue to be bruised. Right. And you just got to push through it. And I think when in trying to find that point in your story, your joke, when it's elevated to the next level, 
you have to continue to get to put yourself out there and try it again and try it again. Right. Well, and something that I always say to you is it's it's very interesting to me that you could have a story that you tell that could kill and everybody the whole room lights up and is laughing and then the next night totally different crowd and it's chirping. You know, so it's not necessarily material. A crowd is a big part of it as well. A crowd is a big part of it. And I think that's why I said get the crowd on your side. Right. Right. Like, if you're doing a show and other comics go before you, you, you can, that, that's advantageous because you can gauge the crowd and see how, whether they're tight or they want to laugh with you or they want to laugh at you. If they came to laugh or if they're trying to, if they want you to make them laugh, like, oh, I'm here. I'm here, I bought, um, I bought the tickets, I'm here to show, make me laugh. Right. Or, I'm here because I want to have a good time. I'm not thinking about anything else. I just want to listen to what you're saying and laugh about it. Right. I mean, there are people who, walking in the door, aren't going to laugh. Oh, yeah. Right off the bat. Right. Make me laugh. Right. So, what do you want? When you're performing up on stage and doing your set, what do you want people to leave with? Like, do you, in your mind, are you like, damn, I hope they take this away with them? Well, first of all, I hope that they go out thinking that they just had a good time. And that, that was the only thing that they were thinking about. So whatever they came in with, maybe they had a rough week at work. Maybe they just love comedy. I want them to continue. If they love comedy, I want them to leave and say, that guy's a good comic. He's a great comedian. If they came in and they had something on their chest or on their heart and they wanted to forget about all that, then I hope when they leave, they're not thinking about what it was that was on there, that was burning them when they came in. Right. If they leave and they're still thinking about the show and they're driving home and they're chuckling to themselves, ultimately, for me, I think that's what I would want to see. Nice. Is, do you consider doing comedy therapeutical at all to you? Therapeutical work? To you. Yeah, damn right it is. Listen. (laughs) Therapeutical. (laughs) But I, I, is it thera blah blah blah? Like when you get up there, like let's say you had a real bad day or a bad week and, and here it is, it's Friday night and you're going to hop on stage. and So like a lot of people, when they go to work, you know, they try to leave stuff at the door so they don't take it with them to work. So to a point, doing comedy for you is work. Mm-hmm. So like, are you able to check all that stuff prior to getting up on stage or... Like when you're up there and let's say it goes good, like is it therapeutic for you? It is therapeutic. However, I would say that you and I both know that I'm not doing comedy full time, right? Right. I have a full time gig. Yep. A full time job, profession. So. If I were in the shoes of a full-time comic that is trying to get booked day in, day out, uh, sending out videotapes, networking, doing those kinds of things, I could see how that could cause stress 
for that person. And then if they go on stage and they shit the bed, then I can see how that can still continue to cause stress. But when they hit and everything works, I can see how therapeutic that is for them. For me, on the other hand, only doing it part-time, maybe even less than part-time, but still out here doing open mics and stuff like that. It's, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily therapeutic because I, I don't have a stressful job. Right. Uh, I don't feel that I have a stressful life. So for me, I feel like I get upset if I can't provide the therapy to the others that are in the room. Okay. So in that sense, I guess it's therapeutic because it's, it's, it's uh, me helping others. Right. But for me personally, um, I guess, yeah, if they were to put connect freaking uh, EKG, to you. EKG to my brain or something like that and, and take a look at my brain wave levels whenever I'm doing comedy versus when I'm not, then they'd probably be like, well, it shows that it actually is therapeutic, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> like me as a fan of comedy. Like, I could pop on a comedy CD and it totally takes me away. EKG for the brain? Yes, it is. Are you sure? EEG. EEG? Listen, I'm a high school graduate. <laughs> All right? I feel like I should know this. Because I just got an EKG on my heart recently. Is EKG on the heart and EKG on the brain the same thing? EKG is the heart, I think. Okay, let's keep it moving. I feel like it, that's a whole... An <laughs> echocardiogram. Echocardiogram. An EEG is, is the brain. <laughs> I like how you said echocardiogram and like said, said the word and everything. I, you said EEG. It's for the brain. Yeah, and I don't know what EEG stands <laughs> for. <laughs> uh, so who were some comedians that, not necessarily that you looked up to, but like that kind of when you listen to we're like oh, I gotta I would love to do this comedy thing well it wasn't that from the age of 15 or the age of 10 that it was like I want to be a comedian I didn't discover that this was a part of going to be a part of my life until four years ago right so but what I do remember is and when I look back on it and I reflect is that the role that comedy played in our household. So on HBO, this is when comic relief was popping off. And the first, one of the first comedian, uh, comedians that I remember watching was Robert Townsend and his specials with, with Daniel Wayans on there and uh, a few other cats. And I remember watching those from the hallway because I wasn't able to watch them. And right. My parents wouldn't let me watch them, but we could watch the comic reliefs. Right. And so I remember those, and <clears throat> just then all the stand-up specials that would come on uh, just growing up. But I never realized that the impact that had on me until I actually started doing comedy. So I wouldn't say there was one person that I was just focused on throughout my entire youth that I was like, I want to be like that person, I want to be like that person, I want to be like that person. I will say the first time that I watched Delirious... I watched it until I was delirious. Yeah. Because to me, that still stands the test of time. And I'll still watch it to this day. Not only to study, but just to laugh my ass off. Do you watch it because of the tight red leather Man, suit? I tell you what. <laughs> the thing I 
God, that was classic. <laughs> I remember, like, on my boombox, I had the tape, yeah. you know, and we just wore that thing out. Yeah. It was crazy. If you could do a show with anyone, who would it be? Like, if you got to say, okay, you, I want to do a show with you, and why? Can I go back to the last one really quick? I remember watching the first comedian that I saw live was Sinbad. Okay. And I was... Did I tell the story on the last podcast? You, you were talking about Sinbad, yeah. Yeah, but he's the first one that I saw live and that I was just mesmerized with his presence, laughing at his jokes, and I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. I was going to say that was a while ago. Yeah. I remember that special. Yeah. Nice. So you were saying that... So if you got to... If I got out of anybody. Oh, man, that's a... You know, I think there's so many comedians out there that haven't necessarily made it mainstream that are as a comedian you know who they are and you're like oh I would love to be work with that person and everything I don't think that uh, any comedian would pass up an opportunity to work with any other comic uh, at, at a certain point in their career because you know it could potentially catapult you to a whole nother level. Sure. So, for me, I mean, I'd be honored to work with any of these cats that obviously have a name behind them that people know about. But if I had a dream, man. Tell it, brother. If I had a dream that I could work with any comic out there across the United States of America, across this great country, I would say... That it would have to be, I mean... Past or present. Past or present. Yep. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many different categories, I feel like. Because obviously as a Hispanic, as a Latino, I'm gonna, I would want to be anywhere where George Lopez is. Like, he, I feel like... I mean, before him, there was like Paul Rodriguez and, and, uh, and John Leguizamo and... And then George Lopez came out and kind of elevated like Latino comics to a whole nother level. And I don't know that there's been anybody that has been able to do it to his level as a Latino comic since he's come out. I mean, I, I'm aware of other ones, but not to his level. Right. So anything with his name attached to it would obviously be awesome. So let me ask you something. So today we wanted to talk about changing or challenging assumptions. So, as a, as you put it, a Hispanic comic, like, do you feel that an audience expects th certain things of you? Yes and no. More of a yes. Fencing on the no. I say yes because obviously, like, they want to hear things that they don't know about as it relates to... Latino culture or being Hispanic and growing up in America. So I say yes and no because I think some people just want to hear funny, you know, and it depends on the, I think a lot of that depends on the venue and, and state that you're, that you're performing. So I, I say yes and no. I think obviously if you're on the show and it's all Latin comics, 
And then the people want to hear, like, it's probably going to be a huge Latin crowd that wants right. to hear those stories. Right. And sometimes I feel that there's there's a box around comedians and and this idea that uh, because this person is dressed this way or this is their background or they're black or they're white or Latino or they're Asian, these are the jokes that you're going to hear from them. Right. So they're automatically put in this box, and if they come talking about something totally different, then that throws people off. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, it blows their mind like, damn, they didn't expect that one. Yeah, they didn't expect it either because, well, that's shit, or he's pretty smart. Right. So, <laughs> go ahead. Right. No, 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 no. So, back to the changing or challenging assumptions. I know you had brought this subject up to start talking about it. So what were some further things that you had on your mind on this? Well, I just think that there's seems to be these unwritten set of rules in so many different aspects of life. And because there's these unwritten set of rules, people feel like they have to follow these unwritten set of rules just because somebody's saying oh well it was always done this way and you should probably do it this way um, or why would you do that you, like that's not how it's supposed to be done well who's to say that it's supposed to be done that way nowhere is it written that I have to do it this way right I have a screensaver on my computer at home that says and I know I, I always keep it handy it says the dangerous something like the dangerous phrase in the language is we've always done it this way mm-hmm. you know and I know like you were saying like step outside the box do it differently you could get a totally different result yeah. you know just because you have been doing it one way like you said who said that it's right mm-hmm. who says that it's wrong who says that it can't be improved upon yeah. you know your assumption of the way things are going to go based on what other people have done. But I think that people have to take that with a grain of salt and be like, well, I'm not other people. Right. What else did you have? I think that's all I had to say about that. But I think this is a great opportunity to talk about um, our beast Mode moment. That's that's what we do when we don't have a DJ or sound system going here. We just make the noises ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) So, beast mode moment will be short and simple. Dream a big ass dream and I think that falls in line with challenging and changing assumptions of the way that people think about these unwritten rules and it's like Bautista from the Toronto Blue Jays and I know this was last year's I'm talking about last season when he did the backflip and everybody lost their minds because he did this backflip that's an unwritten rule in baseball, by baseball players, some of them that are like 
Why is he doing that backflip? We as baseball players don't backflip like that. Man, if I hit a grand slam like that, I don't even know if it's a grand slam, but if I hit a home run like that in a situation like that, I probably would have did the dizzy izzy, did a couple push-ups, and then flung the bat before I ran the bases. Right. Because there's no rule that says that I can't. It's like if I go on stage as a comedian and somebody and I get off stage and somebody's saying, oh, you should have did it this way, you should have did it that way. That's what you think. Yep. There's no rule to it. Well, somebody was successful by doing it this way and, and other people failed by doing it uh, this way. That's fine. I'm me. I'm going to challenge and change people's assumptions on these unwritten rules. And that's why when I say dream a big-ass dream, within that, you're going to have to challenge some assumptions. Because if you do it the same way, you're not going to get to your dream. You might get to somebody else's dream, but you're not going to get to your dream. So that is the beast mode moment. I like it, brother. Jeff, my man, we've come to the point in the show where we now play because Jeff is a musician and he loves music and I love to talk about it because it gets him fired up. We're now going to play to bring it all together. Jeff's joint. This is the worst ever because I was being rushed. All right. And sometimes yay yay was like, let's do this and let's do that. And totally changed it up on me. So I was rushed, and you cannot rush the talent, brother. I appreciate your honesty, man. <laughs> I'm totally putting this all on you, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's a little ditty. Uh, it's just a positive. Diddy, as in P. Diddy? No. Okay, gotcha. No. Here we go. Yep. We I never know what song Jeff is going to play. Or the Beast Mode moment. Jeff never knows what I'm going to talk about in the Beast Mode moment. So when he puts his song on and it brings it all together, yo, that shit gave me chills, man. Talk about it a little bit. It's Jim Croce. Uh, the song is I Got a Name. And it's just him talking about different things. Uh, that particular piece that I played, that lyric... Uh, kind of stuck with me when we're going to talk about changing or challenging uh, assumptions. Yeah. You know, kind of like, I got a dream, you know, think the way that you want to think, but you can't change me, stuff like that, so. Oh, that is so amazing, man. Yeah. Oh, man, what? Hey, I'm, guys, I'm so excited right now. That, that was pretty great. Well, Jeff, I think that we've hopefully... Uh, Yo, great job, by the way, man. You as well, Holmes. I knew that we wanted to talk about like this comedy stuff. I didn't know what you were going to ask me or anything, but I appreciate you uh, asking me those questions. Man. I appreciate your honesty. It's very interesting. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully our listeners think so. 
what are your takeaways? My takeaways today are go for it. Go for it. No matter how something's done or how somebody says how something should be, do it your way, make it your own, and, and just smash those perceptions. somebody else's unwritten rules. We have a saying in, in kind of a, a group that we know, we say follow the law, not so much the unwritten rules in, 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 a, in a nicer way. Right. Like, do what you need to do to get what you want to get done for yourself. And if you feel good about it, and if you're honest with yourself, and if you can live with the outcome, then don't worry about those unwritten rules. Nice. Well, peeps, this was episode six, baby. Episode six, baby. Hey, we're getting there. We are getting there. So I just want to throw out there that you could hop on SoundCloud.com, search Beauty in the Beast Mode, and you will find us. This track will be up there somewhat soon, but we have five other tracks to listen to. Leave us some comments. Leave us some comments and let us know what you think and share the heck out of it. Cool. And Facebook page is up? Facebook page is up, but it's not, but it's not nothing's <laughs> done yet. <laughs> so we'll be getting the email address and the Facebook page and all that stuff up. And some great things we got coming up. We got some, some people that we're going to bring in and interview. Yep. Um, we also got, uh, we're going to be working on this 30-day uh, challenge to becoming a better man with Daddy Mind Tricks and our boy, Pete Cataldo. Pete, two times. Two times. So that's going to be awesome. Stay tuned for that. That's all we got, brother. That's Until it. next time, man. It's been Ye Ye Martinez. Tiny Jeff. Talk to you next time. Peace. See ya.